Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them more real to us because we believe that helps us draw more power out of them and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and today I think this is a short cast, but it's kind of different because uh, most of the short casts I do on my own, but I have a guest uh, that I'm excited to bring to you today. Uh, this is a family friend, especially a, a dear friend of my wife, but but I count her as a friend as well, uh, Tanil Coons who uh, met my wife I, less than a year ago uh, as my wife was uh, leading a tour in Israel, and they just became fast friends. And And I'll just say uh, that uh, my wife, Julianne, told me, she said, I don't know why or how, but like immediately I felt like I've known her for far longer. And I thought that's really nice, right? And then uh, uh, Tanil and her husband uh, came from Colorado. They're in Colorado, although I think you're originally from Texas and Arizona, but... Um, uh, anyway, they came uh, to Utah, and and we decided to meet uh, in a restaurant. And as uh, as we walked in, and I just saw Tanil across the way before Julianne could say that's her, I suddenly felt exactly that same thing. Like I I feel like I've known this person for a long time. We hadn't even spoken a word yet. So uh, I am uh, yeah. So I'm glad to have us uh, with you, Tanil, or, or have you with us, Tanil. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, tell us uh, what else we should know about you, your family, or anything else. Uh, um, my husband, Dave Coons, and then I've got four children, um, an 18 year old, 17 year old, 14, and then an eight year old, um, three girls and a boy. And that's my great family, my sweet family. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's plenty of busyness right there. So did you want me to add all the chickens in there too? <laughs> well, I know you were cleaning the chicken coop today, so you might as well have the chickens. There you have <laughs> do, it. do the chickens have names? No, there's there's about 60 of them, so I don't think I can keep track of them. Yeah. I did not know it was that many chickens. That is plenty of chickens. <laughs> that's a oh, lot. Good. Of chickens. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I like eggs, so that's a good deal. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have to kneel on. Uh, we have a, a subject we'd like to talk about, and I think I'll kind of start and then uh, uh, we'll let uh, uh, Tanil has a story I think you'll be interested in. But um, I'd like to start. We're covering here in uh, Corinthians. Uh, one of the many times, but I think one of the more powerful times, that Paul bears witness of the resurrection. And if you listened already, and I hope you did, to the first episode for this week, uh, you've heard uh, Jennifer Lane and I talk about the the background, that there are a lot of people who are saying bodies aren't something you want, so why would you want a body in the hereafter, and so on. That, that gives rise to that teaching that um, Paul is... Uh, is that's the reason Paul's teaching this, right? But it seems to me like it's a good time for us to talk about um, the cross. Paul certainly mentions the cross quite a bit and resurrection and how that works for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because uh, unlike many of our, our Christian friends or other Christian friends, I'd say we're, we're Christian as well, so I usually use the word other. Our other Christian friends or Christian cousins, I think is a, a phrase Elder Rasban used, but um, uh, other Christians— use the cross as a symbol and uh and we don't and uh to some people that seems odd and uh sometimes it, it can separate us a little bit more than i i would like i'd like to for it not to be that kind of a separation i can remember when we lived in uh jerusalem and my oldest son bj who's uh now working with Tanil on this story she'll tell you in a little while but um he was about 13, uh, turned 14 while we were there. So he's somewhere right in that age. And he was going to an Anglican school and he had Muslim friends and Jewish friends and friends of all sorts of Christian denominations. 
And uh, in talking with his Christian friends, and then one day he came, uh, or we were out in the old city, and he saw someone who was selling just a little leather bracelet, just had uh, basically they'd branded the cross uh, several times into that bracelet. And and BJ said, uh, "I'd would it be a problem if I got this and wore this? I'd kind of like my friends to know how much I believe in Christ." And and uh, uh, I couldn't see any problem with it. Right? It's not what we usually do, but I saw no problem with it at all. And so um, he did that. But uh, that and many other experiences have made me think about this uh, quite a bit. And I should say, Tanil, anytime you want to interrupt, please jump in. But um, but I'll, I'll keep going for a second more. Um, so I, I, uh, I had to think of um, a talk by President Hinckley once uh, that I'm thought I had called. Oh, yeah, here it is, uh, where he addressed this subject. This is in April of 2005 General Conference. And uh, uh, he had a friend that asked him, if you profess a belief in Jesus Christ, why do you not use the symbol of his death, the cross at Calvary? And this is what President Hinckley said as he began his reply. He said, to which I must first reply that no member of this church must ever forget the terrible price paid by our Redeemer, who gave his life that all men might live. The agony of Gethsemane, the bitter mockery of his trial, the vicious crown of thorns tearing at his flesh, the blood cry of the mob before Pilate, the lonely burden of his heavy walk along the way to Calvary, the terrifying pain as great nails pierced his hands and feet, the fevered torture of his body as he hung that tragic day, the Son of God crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This was the cross, the instrument of his torture the terrible device designed to destroy the man of peace, the evil recompense for his miraculous work of healing the sick, of causing the blind to see, of raising the dead. This was the cross on which he hung and died on Golgotha's lonely summit. We cannot forget that. We must never forget it. For here, our Savior, our Redeemer, the Son of God, gave himself a vicarious sacrifice for each of us. But then he goes on to talk about how that that wasn't the end of the story. And uh, that the the gloom of that terrible day ended on Sunday when Christ was resurrected and how we focus on a resurrected Christ. We don't want to forget that Christ suffered for us. Um, And I I will say that as I've uh, and I've talked about this a few times, I've just uh, kind of finished working on a book on Easter. I'm now going through the edits that the uh, the editor has given me and telling me you're way too redundant and all that kind of thing. But um, anyway, the. uh, as I was going through this book, I was, I had often thought this, but I was, it was just painfully reminded that uh, the suffering that Christ did was so much more than just, you can't say, you can't use the word just Gethsemane. So I won't say just Gethsemane, but um, as members of the church, we often focus on Gethsemane, which is wonderful, but we shouldn't do that at the cost of the suffering did before he got to Gethsemane and that which happened after he got to Gethsemane. And so all of these experiences together have made me think, how can we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, both remember the cross and and uh, remember that we want to focus on a resurrected Christ and inter- <laughs> interact uh, and interface with our uh, Christian cousins, as it were. And and Tanil, to me, has a, a wonderful and compelling story about that. So I thought maybe you could tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, you have going on, Tanil. Thanks. I love that introduction, just that, that yes, we do, that cross is a huge part of 
our savior's sacrifice for us. Um, and, and it is a huge, it is a huge thing. A few years ago, I had some pretty big terrorizing questions, terrorizing to me that, um, that I don't think were unique to me. Um, but the, it started to affect my closest relationships as I started to think about these questions and trying to find the answers. And even though it seemed like when I would go to what I felt were, well, they are trusted resources. Um, unfortunately that didn't seem to really help me a whole lot. Um, and I continued to study and, um, then I decided that I needed to go back to the foundation of, uh, feeling the spirit and our savior. And I knew that, that the spirit can guide me, that he always has guided me my whole life. And on my mission, he guided us all the time. And I was able to, I, I know that, um, that that spirit and those feelings and those promptings are very real. And because of that, I feel like I have a great relationship and foundation foundation with my savior that brought me so much peace and comfort as I was thinking about that, that I just was able to kind of relax after I had been in so much turmoil and, and these horrific thoughts that would fill my mind. And then at that point, it was, it was almost kind of comical for me <laughs> to realize that, that I've been trying to find the answers to these questions that were so difficult and that I've heard other people struggle with. And, and why was it affecting me so much right now? And then I realized that the contrast and the feelings, exactly that, the spirit would guide me and tell me what was truth and what was error, what was light and what was dark. And was that not exactly what I was experiencing at that moment, that I was being burdened with these questions for years, studying and trying to do all that I could to find the answer. And it just didn't seem to be coming the way I wanted it to. Um, or that, that I felt like it would, uh, then yeah, kind of the way you expected, right. You had an expectation yeah. of how that answer would come. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wanting the answers to the questions. Uh, and then when I felt that light and that peace realizing, oh yes, that's my savior. And I, I know who he is and I can lean on him. I know he is all love. He's all peace. That's, that's it. That's all that he is. He is just love and goodness and and those feelings, and, and it was almost like with those questions, I was kind of creating a God that was not love and mm. that that just seemed like terror for me and my greatest fears. And then I was, I just realized that that was the spirit guiding me and telling me what was truth, what was error, and that I didn't need to worry about that or the answers or what the real answers to any of the questions were. I could lean on knowing that my savior loves me. He's all love. And I know him. I followed him my whole life. Like I said, I, we know him. I don't need to know anything more than knowing that he wants what's best for me because I know he loves me. That's good. So in a, in a way, Jesus was the answer, right? And, mm -hmm. and that sounds almost uh, trite or like a pat answer, but yet it's not. He he really is the answer to all the questions that we don't understand, whatever they look like and whatever way they may take us. In the end, Jesus, his perfection and his perfect love and his atoning sacrifice is the answer is what I think you're saying. And that light that comes with that. 
yeah, I, it was almost as if I'd never attended primary before or young women's where we say that, um, I'm a daughter of heavenly parents that love me. And, and I just had forgotten that for a minute as I was swirling around in these, in these questions. And so Jesus is the answer. He is our savior and he is the light. And, and I can lean on that and know that following, if I always follow spirit feelings of a spirit of goodness and peace, then, then I'll always be guided to what is truth. And I don't need to worry about anything else. And the gospel is more restored today than it ever has been. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's good. And I think that that's part of what Paul is telling us as well, that uh, Jesus is the answer, but I like your addition, but the gospel is even more restored than ever. Like we have more than ever. That, that's exactly right. I guess that kind of focus on Christ kind of kept going for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I didn't want to forget my savior ever again, never wanted to go through anything like that again. And so I, I love that people wear the cross. I love seeing that. And it helps me to feel a little bit of a kinship with them. Like, I feel like I know a little bit about them, more of who they are and what they're about. And, and I, I would want- guess in Texas, you you saw plenty of people that had uh, crosses, I would guess. Absolutely. All my friends. Yes. Yeah. And it was a big thing. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's very beautiful. And I wanted to have something similar like that, that people could see that and, and feel that same kind of kinship with and feel like they knew that something about me the yeah. same way. So yeah, and I've, I've experienced that many times myself, especially in the Holy Land or other places. Uh, but I, I think especially in the Holy Land, when I've been in places that I see christians with crosses and they see each other and kind of have this automatic connection and i'm feeling that connection with them but they're not feeling it with me because there's nothing that when they look at me that says this person's a christian uh and in fact sometimes if they see i'm uh, you know wearing a byu hat or something then they assume i'm not a christian right so uh they, i understand what you're saying like you i feel an automatic connection with other christians in fact maybe i can even just tell a, a story uh when i was in egypt one time uh, it was actually my first time going to Egypt, and um, I was way down south on uh, an island just out of Aswan, Elventina Island. And uh, for those who don't know, Christian is is mostly Muslim, but it's about 13% Christian, um, Coptic Christian. And uh, I caught this uh, boat ride out, just me and this other guy who was a Baptist. Um, we caught this uh, little teeny boat ride out to that island because there were some things on there that had been in my dissertation that I wanted to go see and study and um, and the guy who took us on the boat ride and then was showing us around out there, he, he kind of pulled us aside and he said, are you guys Christian? And we said, yeah. And he said, I'm Christian too. Right. And he just wanted to feel that connection with us. And we felt that connection with him. And I, that's the kind of thing I think that, that we all kind of yearn for. So then I was wondering, is there a way to, to bring that together, that something to have them see a little bit of the cross or something, but, but more emphasis on the resurrection. Right. So I, I really felt guided in designing um, this charm or a symbol that encompassed a little bit of the Ankh, the ancient Egyptian cross, the Ankh that symbolizes eternal life. That yeah. So, of course, felt- I like it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And maybe I'll just explain for uh, viewers who, uh, I mean, well, mostly we have listeners who aren't familiar. The, the Ankh is, um, it is the, the, 
actually the hieroglyph that means life. Ankh is the word life in ancient Egyptian, and and you write it by writing this hieroglyph, and it looks like, um, actually, if you could uh, picture like a cross, almost a crusader cross, only instead of at the top of it coming up, it's a loop at the top. Um, and the thought is that this was like uh, the, the the laces for a sandal, right, going up from the toe and across the feet and so on. But anyway, um, but that it means life. And so actually, when Christianity came to, to Egypt, and we call that Coptic Christianity, um, that the cross was so similar to the sign for life that that just made perfect sense for them. And for many, that's the way the cross looked uh, for them. That became kind of the form of the cross for many because it, it what a beautiful wedding of ideas, the cross and life, right? Exactly. So you're right. It, it, what you've designed does look a, a little, it, 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 if, if you know the Ankh sign, it reminisces that for you. Yes, exactly. And then also incorporating uh, the resurrected Christ with his arms open and welcoming and wanting us to always come to him and always follow him. So that's kind of what it what it is. I designed the the symbol to be something emerging of all of those together. So it would remind me when I put it on that I could know and feel all of what Christ did for us, not not just the cross that um, he he overcame all things. He overcame sin and, and fear, my fears, my personal fears that I felt like I was just inundated with. And, and that just became something that I could hold on to, to remind me to always remember the savior that I know and to follow the spirit that I know that I know how to do that. And, and I can trust that. And I know that. Wonderful. And, and so, yeah, you've designed this, uh, uh, piece of jewelry that you're hoping our other our Christian cousins will resonate with, but uh, understand like maybe that we're Christian, but also are, are a little bit different emphasis. I know you gave one to my uh, wife as a gift and she's not much of a jewelry wearer, but she's worn that ever since. Like I, I've never seen her not take uh, a necklace off at night and, until she got that. And now I think we're at like what, eight months or something, however long it is where she that's, <laughs> she's got it on all the time. And um because it's become so meaningful to her. Uh, my son's been helping you with this a little bit. Uh, and uh, so if people wanted to learn, uh, it's he-lives.net. Yes. Is that right? He-lives.net. Um, and whether, I mean, whether that's what someone listening chooses or, or whatever else, I'm, what I'm hoping is that we will start to both be able to bring our unique risen Christ emphasis and our shared Christ died on the cross, uh, th that shared element with all the rest of Christianity, and whether it be through a necklace or just the way we think of things or whatever, that, that we'll find ways to remember both trials, Gethsemane, the cross, the tomb, and resurrection, and uh, to, to interact with, identify with, and um, uh, interbuild with our Christian for our other Christian friends. Right. right. I think it's it, some that wear it have had many people ask them questions. What is that? And what does it mean? And it gives them an opportunity to have great conversation about our savior. Yeah. And, and, but it kind of almost looks like a, it could be a, 
stick figure angel or something, or <laughs> but hopefully it looks something like some religious symbol to everyone. And hopefully by default, then Christ will come to their mind if, if nothing else. So, yeah, it's a, a little cross ish and a little, um, Thorvald, uh, Christus ish and, mm -hmm. um, and a little, uh, uh, holding hands ish. I don't know, but, but it was, so now when did you first design this? Cause I think the timing is important because I think it predates what I want to read here, but probably about a year ago, I think a year and a half, maybe. I think is about when I started the the thought I, I had felt like I needed to do something for a while. And uh, after I heard Elder Holland's talk, I knew mm. then that I needed to put it to action. I needed to act on it and do what I had felt prompted yeah. to do. So I think you designed it before that talk, but it, then you started pushing it after the, the talk is what I'm thinking. And is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, and I'm just so struck. Some of that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so struck because I I want to read from Elder Holland's talk in October uh, 2022, um, where he says this, and when he said it, I, to me, I just thought I don't know why I'd never thought of that before, and it became, uh, just branded in my mind. And then when I saw what you designed, I was like, hey, that's what I thought of. Um, but anyway, this is what uh, Elder Holland said. And I, we, we're not trying to intimate that Elder Holland was like endorsing the necklace before or anything like that. Yeah. But um, but uh, this is what he said. It is one of the most powerful paradoxes of the crucifixion that the arms of the Savior were stretched wide open and then nailed there, unwittingly but accurately portraying that every man, woman, and child in this entire human family is not only welcome, but invited into his redeeming exalting embrace and i love that image just that idea that christ even the instrument of his torture and death was also christ spreading his arms out for all of us and uh so again wh whether you're particularly interested in this uh piece of jewelry or not what i would love to to challenge all of the audience is to to think of that of christ stretching his arms out to welcome us all in, not just members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but mm -hmm. all of us, and that hopefully we can use that to uh, to uplift and edify and interact with uh, our not just our Christian friends, although uh, clearly our other Christian friends, but um, but people of all faith. Um, and uh, I I think that's a powerful idea. Let's just open our arms and embrace them and bring them in and find ways to build bridges with uh, other Christians and with Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Shinto, whatever. Um, let's, uh, let's do that with everyone. And uh, your, your story kind of inspires me in that way, this idea that, well, Christ is the answer. Mm -hmm. And if we are trying to build bridges with everyone else, Christ is the answer. Even if they're not Christian, Christ is still the answer for us because it's his welcoming that helps us reach out to them. Right. And he's all love and kindness and goodness. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and very no matter good. Who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, Christ is always the answer and he's, his arms are always open and he always wants us to keep coming back to him. Oh. See, now that's such a powerful message, such a powerful message. And there are so many people I know in our own faith that uh, need that, that have gone or are going through something like you described. Um, and that's not that there's something wrong with someone if they're going through that. The world is throwing all sorts of stuff at us. It's 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 throwing doubt, fear, 
Satan is playing a, a pretty hard game right now. He's playing hardball, and uh, it's going to be normal for people to have darkness thrust at them and questions and fears. Um, but if they can remember Christ and his love and his light is the answer, then you may not find all the little details, but you'll still find your answers. Right. Doubt your doubts, right? That's right. That's right. Or I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, president Uchtdorf. I think back, I'm pretty sure he, eh, that may have been when he was not in the first presidency. I can't remember, but elder Uchtdorf, president Uchtdorf, however we want to refer to this wonderful apostle. So I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a a devotional by uh, elder Corbridge uh, given at BYU called stand forever, uh, where he talks about the foundational questions as opposed to all the ancillary questions. Right. And that's, I think that you're telling us that same thing that here's what are the foundational questions? Well, the most foundational question is, is Jesus Christ, the son of God did, does God love us so much? He sent his son. Did he suffer and die for us and rise again because he loves us? And as a result, can he bring us ultimate light, peace, joy, and happiness? That is the foundational question. I guess maybe that's a series of questions, but it's kind of really just one question. And the answer is resoundingly yes. The crucified and risen Christ is stretching out his arms to us to give us a resounding yes. And I I think that's the answer that you experienced. Yes. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. I find I, I just find your your story of uh, finding Christ and then trying to bring Christ to others so compelling. And uh, as we're talking about the resurrected Christ this week, uh, but all, the crucified Christ, but also the resurrected Christ, right? And that's Paul's emphasis. He's got a group of saints who are focusing on a Christ who died for them, and he wants them to know he was resurrected, and that is crucially important. He overcame and, all of it. That's exactly right. Yes. And and I, I feel like that's just a good time for us to to focus on uh, some of these issues that surround that and and to hear a, a personal story of uh, someone who is moving forward with that. And hopefully in some ways that can help many of us, either just by hearing the story or by uh, taking designing your own thing or, or getting one of these things at he-lives.net or whatever. Uh, but moving forward, uh, holding Christ up as the light that we want others to come to. So, exactly. well, all right, then. Thank you, uh, to Neil. I, I, every time I hear you talk about this, uh, and, and what, uh, you've gone through and the answer that you've come up with and that you are continuing to, uh, be in the process of, I'm, I'm edified and it makes me uh, refocus on Christ and that's good for all of us. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for bringing us all closer to Christ with your podcast and your channel. And you've got great, great stuff going on. Uh, well, that, thank you. And, and uh, <laughs> we, we hope our audience will also uh, uh, find some way, whether it's, it's some way to take what they've heard today and, and share it or use it uh, and that we'll all edify each other. So uh, thank you. And we hope you all have a great day. We'll see you next week on uh, The Scriptures Are Real.